and welcome to Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson DNI podcast. We are professionals focused on creating an honest and accepting space for ourselves, our community, and our listeners. Here at Diversity Ever After, we raise awareness of DNI workplace and social issues, we advocate for increased representation and inclusion, and we navigate uncomfortable but necessary conversations. Inclusion starts with I, so we invite you to listen and become in touch, in tune, and inclusive. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Aaliyah Locke, and I'm an associate in Baker Donaldson's Birmingham office and one of the newest hosts of the podcast. I'm excited to be here and back in the podcast world in a different light. I'm joined today by Nikimali Davis-Primer. Hi, everyone. This is Nikimali Davis-Primer. I'm a shareholder in our Jackson, Mississippi office. So excited for this season and definitely for this conversation today where we're talking about parenting and navigating that within a workplace setting. And our special guest, Shayla Fletcher. Shayla Fletcher is an assistant general counsel at Regions Bank, overseeing a portfolio of defensive and threatened litigation across the bank's multi-state footprint. Prior to joining Regions' in-house legal team in 2011, Shayla was in private practice as a litigator representing financial institutions and other business clients in state and federal courts and arbitrations. She counseled clients through a wide variety of adversarial matters, from shareholder derivative lawsuits to termination of federal court consent decrees. The Fair Labor Standards Act has required employers to provide a reasonable break time for employees to be able to express breast milk for up to a year after childbirth. That has been the standard for years until recently. Two pieces of legislation that have passed and currently are and will be effective are the Providing Urgent Maternal Protections for Nursing Mothers Act, also as a Pump Act, and the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. A couple of protections that come from those two acts are paid breaks under certain circumstances to express breast milk and reasonable accommodations in the workplace for pregnancy-related limitations. Today's episode will focus on navigating workplace policies, formal and informal, as a working parent, what has and what has not worked, and how to approach needing to utilize these policies as a current and expecting parent. For me, I've had to navigate being a parent in the workplace in various building stages in my career. Some conversations were easier than others, and I know firsthand how difficult that can be to start to broach those conversations. And I think a great place to start with all of this and maybe one of the most important parts of the episodes is to talk about our kids just a little bit about the people that keep us going every day and Shayla we can start with you well sure I'm a mom to a 13 year old daughter Um, she's now a very happy 13 year old daughter yesterday was the last day of seventh grade for her so she's pretty pumped right now uh, which is nice to see that excitement because she's in a phase where nothing impresses or excites her. <laughs> you know, the answer to every yes or no question is never a resounding yes or a resounding right. no. It's always a very <laughs> flat line. Sure. So do you want to fly to Paris? Sure. You know, it's never <laughs> that excitement that I want to see. Um, she calls herself a volleyball player. And once again, something that she's not entirely committed to. Uh, She claims to want to be a chef, but so far she avoids any suggestion that she actually cook a meal. So I'm navigating how to guide her when I'm not sure what the destination is that I'm supposed to be steering her towards. Uh, You know, but she um, has the most important things down pat. You know, she's very caring and empathetic. She's smart. She 
questions everything of, you know, except her substantive schoolwork, of course. So I'm confident that she'll be all right. And I recognize that any anxiety I feel about her is driven more by my own mind rather than anything that she is or isn't doing. And so as long as I manage that, I'm confident that I'll be all right, too. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Your daughter sounds amazing. I also have one daughter, Zari. She's four. So I'm in that early stage where everything is kind of fun to her and excited. So I get that excitement, Shayla, that you're not getting. I probably get it for more things than I want, though. I would say she is also very loving and empathetic, even as a four-year-old. Um, I get told by her pre-K four teacher, which her year ended on Friday, last Friday. So she's excited about that as well, um, that you know, she just really cares about everyone else and their feelings in the room. So if anybody does something to another student and she doesn't think it's right and she's right there and observes it, she's going to say something about it. And, you know, she reaches out to the people in the room who are quiet and maybe aren't playing with anyone and tries to play with them. So I really love that empathetic side of her that I see coming out. She's very intelligent and already a critical thinker, um, just like your daughter. Even at this young age, she's questioning everything. <laughs> and I'm getting a lot of whys and whys because you know, and she's turning out to be quite the little negotiator. Um, as of late, she says, how about this, mom? You know, and she gives me her take on what she thinks we should do if what I proposed is not something to her liking. So I'm excited about how this journey will continue to progress with her. I'll say one other thing I thought was really funny. This was more so in her threes. Now she now she's four, almost five. She'll be five in August. But um, when she was three and a little bit younger and even into a four year old, she used to always tell me that my husband, her dad is 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 not my husband. Apparently he's her husband. <laughs> and um, that she told me one time, mommy, it's OK. You'll find a good man. <laughs> Another good man. So I thought that was really fun. But she's a sweetheart and definitely keeps me going as well. Amazing. So good to hear about both of your sweet daughters. I have a six year old son. I almost wanted to call him a kindergartner, but he finished kindergarten yesterday and was very clear to me that he is no longer a kindergartner. He is a big first grader and he gets to go upstairs to the first and second grade level in the fall. So my son is very inquisitive. He is similar to your daughter's in that he is very caring. He is always looking out for his friends for people around him. But with that, he has a lot of opinions that he is not scared to share with me, um, always questioning, why are we doing this? Or are you sure that you should be doing that? I think one of my most favorite things that he said to me recently is we were going to school and it was a crazy morning. And so we're sitting in the carpool line and I'm talking to him, trying to get him ready for the day. And he kind of stopped the conversation. He looked at me. And he was like, mommy, are you discombobulated? And so I kind of looked at him and I was like, yeah, kind of. I, I actually am. But how do you know? How do you know what that word means? And how do you know how to use it in that context? So he never, never, ever leaves me um, without just something fun to take away from our conversations or just without joy every single day. So very excited about him. And I think that is the perfect segue into the start of our conversation here today. And I wanted to start off with a little bit of a loaded question to pose to you two. What are some policies that were available to you as it came time to take parental leave? 
And along with that, how was the transition of winding down before taking that leave and then ramping back up as it came time to come off of leave? And Shayla, you can take that first if you'd like. Sure. Um, I was in a law firm at the time um, and they had the 12 week um, maternal leave policy. This was 2010. Uh, so, you know, the process was pretty easy for me. There had been so many that had already gone through the process that it was just kind of wrapped up in a neat package, if you will. So I found the, you know, winding down before I left to be quite easy, as was my transition when I came back in. Uh, you know, everybody had already, as I said, been kind of acclimated to what that process looked like. And so they were all prepared to step in and assist in my matters when I, I went out on leave. I did take my full 12 uh, weeks, um, but, you know, but I'll tell you, I was I was super ready to come back <laughs> when that time was up, um, you know, and I, and I know that so many women have different experiences with that. And I also know that as simple as the process was for me, there were so many women before me who paved the way for that uh, ease uh, that I experienced. And I'm grateful for that. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the, le the legislation that we're seeing today is paving the way for future women to have it, um, you know, to have an easier experience in different ways than even I had. Yeah, um, I agree. Interestingly enough, I had Zari only a few months after I had learned I had made shareholders. So I, I made shareholder, just had my daughter, and I'm immediately going out on leave. And that can bring its own concerns. <laughs> like, okay, I just crossed over and now I'm gone. So that's going to truly impact how my first bit of being a shareholder at the firm looks. I was here at Baker Donaldson. At that time, we had a 16-week uh, parental leave policy. We had It was actually fairly new at that time because people had spoken up to Shayla's point about how can we improve upon what we have. And we had more guidance on how to ramp down and ramp up. And so we put a little bit more direction in the process. We created some mentors um, who were there to ask, answer any questions you had about the process, especially if it was your first time, help you navigate any conversations you need to have about how long you would be gone, who would handle your matters while you're gone, how will those matters transition back to you before you return. So we had a little bit more process in place at that time to really help you navigate all of that. And so it really worked out well for me as well, because I was able to ramp down to ensure that I could have autonomy over how I wanted the process to look. That's really what was good for me. I could choose how I wanted the process to look. I could go and take four, 16 weeks straight and just completely disconnect and go do that. Or I could do more intermittent where maybe I took the first eight weeks and just didn't look at any work or anything, but I wanted to do a little bit here or there. So I will start intermittently doing a little work here or there and slowly ramp back up before I even officially return to the office. And so that was something I definitely took advantage of. And the way I ended up doing it is that I had um, a lot of leave time and I had a lot of leave time banked even after I returned that I could use for those additional appointments and not even just appointments, but those sad days where you're like, oh, I kind of miss my little baby. Let me go see what's going on um, with her, but I was also ready to do work. So I think that's why I kind of started ramping up sooner than many people probably do when they're out on leave, just doing the little things here or there. If I saw something come across or if I knew something was going on in one of my cases while I was gone and I felt like it was something I could take on, then I would do those things. But if not, then I knew it was covered. So that process was great. And then even upon the return, being able to 
pump or express milk at work because I did uh, do breast milk with Zari for 16 months. And so even after I returned, obviously I was still pumping and nursing and, and doing things like that. So it was great to be able to navigate that pretty seamlessly in the workplace as well. You know, Nikemi, you just said something that kind of resonated with me, just being able to pump in the workplace for as long as you did. I know seven, six, yeah, six years ago now, when I took leave with my son, I wasn't a lawyer at the time. I was still going through the process of school and just getting to where I am now. But I worked in banking and I know just like feeling very nervous as it got closer and closer to my due date about, okay, so like I know what the policy is, but no one had ever really sat down and talked to me about it. I had informal conversations with coworkers about what it kind of looks like whenever it was time for me to take leave. And it was six weeks for me instead of, you know, a little bit more of an extended period. And I was extremely nervous um, just with having that conversation with my boss and letting her know, like, I want to take it here, but baby night might, might not come until another week, but still having to be back within a specified amount of time. And then you add in coming back, working in banking, having to pump and having to, you know, do my job for a couple of hours and then, you know, take a 15 to 30 minute break to go handle pumping, which lasted about a similar time for me, about 15, 16 months with my son. So I do I do see that's that difference um, where you can be at in your career with how a workplace treats you and accommodates you as you're ready to take parental leave and just some of the things they put in place. And I will say that for me during that time, there really wasn't a winding down or ramping up period with what I was doing in banking. Um, but I do remember just like the resounding nerves that I had as I started there. I guess that kind of, we kind of touched on this, but I'm also so curious. So laws like the Pump Act or the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, how would that have changed your experience during the time of pregnancy or just immediately following having a child and then getting back into the office? You know, I know for me, I don't think that it would have changed my personal experience that much. You know, I was at a mid-sized firm that had enough employees that they were already covered by various laws. I had a private office where I could shut the door and have the privacy, you know, to pump if I needed it. Uh, you know, but I know that so many women, even lawyers, work perhaps in shared spaces or where they have less control over their schedules. And laws like the Pump Act are so important in establishing a new, more fair baseline. I think that makes it easier for new mothers to return to work without the added stress of having to negotiate on a one-off basis for basic accommodations that any new mom would need in the workplace. Yeah, I think these laws definitely help set the framework that a lot of employers can use to have spaces that allow moms to navigate these conversations more openly and with less stress, as both of you have noted. I will agree that I don't think these laws in place at that time would have impacted me, but it's because of the stage of my career and the law firm that I was working in, exactly like both of you stated. But for others who are working with employers that maybe don't have that type of flexibility, then these laws will actually provide accommodations for them that they so desperately need. Because as a mom, 
mom, we have a lot to stress about. And if you can take off where can I pump or whether I can pump at work, that's going to be a huge relief uh, because we don't need to have to focus on that when we have so many other things just in terms of the care of our children and even navigating being professional women while still mothering our children at the same time. I agree with all of that. I know in particular for me, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act would have been so helpful six to seven years ago when I was pregnant, you know, just to go back to me working in banking, there were often times where we're having to get large orders of money. So a lot of boxes of coins, a lot of bundles of cash, and, you know, you reach a certain point in your pregnancy and all that heavy lifting can't be done. But when it's just you and one other teller and you're trying to navigate assisting different customers, different clients that come in, you kind of have to Make your own accommodations, and those weren't necessarily put into place for me. But seeing something like the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act and even the PUMP Act that makes it a lot easier for women who are in workplaces where they don't necessarily have those provisions set up for them, that they can go to their employers and get the accommodations that they need if they want them without any kind of fear of retaliation or just a negative backlash. I think that that is very important to have, you know, for women in the law and just women out in the workplace generally. So with that, I think another great question and just point of conversation is we have the babies, they are here. How does it look like and how has it been for you to, with just parenting in general, when you just take time off, when a kid is sick, when there are the random school holidays that come up here, there, and everywhere, and just wanting to be present for your kid, whether it's chaperoning a field trip or being there for a school presentation, how has your workplace been accommodating for you to be able to be present in those moments? You know, again, I'll reiterate that I have been so blessed to have been in workplaces that have strong leadership and culture around parenthood. And any anxiety that I might have felt in those early days about taking time off to deal with the trappings of motherhood that you, you know, just described, it was more due to the fact that it was my first time um, and less about any real obstacles that were imposed by my employer. So, you know, in all honesty, it's been fairly easy uh, for me um, navigating illnesses and school field trips and things of that sort. You know, there are times when an illness conflicts with like a court-imposed deadline, like something that's even beyond the control of my employer. And in those occasions, you know, you really do get shaken up, but it's manageable with a few phone calls or a favor from a coworker who might be able to cover you. But once again, I think that feeds back into the culture that your workplace has fostered. And so I would say that the culture of the workplace is probably more important than people might think when it comes time to handling and managing new motherhood, young motherhood. I agree. I think workplace culture is tremendously important. And hopefully our listeners can take that to heart because Are you creating an environment where your people feel like they're supported when they're going on this parenting journey? Or are you creating an environment that places obstacles in their path? And we want to be sure that we're supporting our people so that they can come to work and be their best selves. If we're placing obstacles, then they're not able to fully do the things we are asking of them because they have so many other obligations and things on their plate and stressors that we may actually cause. So the Pump Act and the Pregnant Workers Fairness 
Veterans Act are laws, again, that can provide a framework for those who don't have these things in place already. My hope is that in 2023, most businesses have been thinking about these things and improving in this space. But we all know that we need these laws for a reason because some they just don't know or others just aren't doing. And so we have to have these conversations so that people are aware that these laws for the companies who are covered are now requiring paid leave time for people to express milk. They are now requiring paid leave time for people to do things that relate to parenting. And we want to be certain that we're creating policies around these laws that will align with what our businesses require and what their positions require, but also give them what they need, you know, give our employees what they need to be their best, most authentic selves. One thing I'll mention that I really like about our policy too is that I've seen more men take it. You know, I know we're talking about us as mothers, but more men when we're creating that culture where it's okay for men to take these types of leaves to be there for their children as well, then they'll do it. And you know, it's again a culture question. Are we creating a culture where no men, you have to stay at work, you know, like what are you doing taking off? But Instead, are we creating a culture where, yeah, that's great. If you want to go and help or if your wife doesn't work somewhere with as much flexibility as we have at our firm, then now you can really navigate parenthood together in the best possible way. I love to hear how the both of you have put it, that it really is dependent upon the culture and the place of where you work. And I have found that to be so true during my time here at Baker Donaldson compared to where I have been previously throughout my journey as a working parent and I'm so fortunate to be where I am now that my son goes to school directly across the street from our office so I'm able to take 30 minutes and go to a classroom party or just be present for him in ways that I have not been able to a majority of his life which is extremely important to me and even as to what you said McKinley I've also just seen within our own firm culture, just more men being present for their children in various capacities. And I look at my counterparts in other industries and fields, and they necessarily don't have that same flexibility to be there for their children as they would like to. And I think that that's really important as time progresses and as society changes that all workplaces can accommodate and be flexible for all of their parents to not really have to sacrifice being a professional or being a parent. You can have both of those at the same time and they can coexist together. I do have one little follow-up question um, to all of this because we know that there are limitations with the law. There's going to be limitations with the workplace policies that we have in place. But what is one thing that has been significant for working parents in terms of support that you have been given in your career or that you have given to someone else throughout theirs? You know, I take for granted that every adult remembers what being a human being is like. (laughs) You know, we've all gone through the stages of infancy and puberty, young adulthood. We've all had illnesses and sleepless nights. But, you know, unfortunately, it seems like there are some workplaces that still uh, exploit rather than support some of the most vulnerable people who are now on the parent side of that human development arc, which is why we have legislation like the PUMP Act um, in the first place. But for me personally, I'd say that the biggest support comes once again in the form of workplace culture, right? Because simply working in an environment that doesn't expect you to abandon your humanity in order to be an employee is so important. Um, You know, if such an environment makes it less likely that you'll have to endure jokes or snot comments, 
that can really damage your confidence or your belief that they have this policy, but can I really take advantage of it? Is my career in danger if I, you know, actually abide by and expect to be able to enforce this policy? Will I be entitled to advancement opportunities? Will they be offered to me? You know, so when you're when your entire organization understands that it's a priority for your organization to be supportive um, uh, of all the different stages in, in parenthood, it makes a big difference to your performance, your commitment to your employer and your ability to thrive. Nikimali touched on something when she was speaking about her you know, experience. I think that there's a lot to be said for transparency in the process. And so as much as can be laid out formally, I think the better, even though you may find informal mentors who have already been through that process and can kind of walk you through it. There's no substitute for seeing it in writing um, and, and understanding that it is a real corporate initiative and commitment. As a final nod to our discussion, what is one piece of advice that you would offer to listeners, those who are wanting to become parents, those who are parents, and those who support parents that you wish you would have had at the start of your journey? I would say that the workplace experience as a new parent is as much about your perspective as it is the culture. Um, You know, if you're in a workplace culture that's supportive of new parents generally, then, uh, you know, know that you can manage any anxieties about parenthood obligations by managing your perspective. You know, keep in mind that people before you have already gone through the gamut of things that you're going to be experiencing for the first time. They're fine and you will be too. If you're in a less accommodating workplace culture, then you'll have way more work to do on the perspective side unless and until you decide to change workplaces or compel your workplace to change. I think that's awesome. And I agree with everything you just said. And one thing that I would like to leave as a final thought for everyone is give yourself grace. You may not know all the answers or even know all the questions to ask, but have faith that would all work out in the end. You said something about perspective, and I agree. Mindset and perspective is so important through this journey. We can question and second guess everything, but just make a decision and move forward with it and give yourself grace. If you decide, oh, maybe I should have done something different. Just allow yourself to nap, to pivot and to move in that next direction. And I want you to know that you absolutely rock, right? Parenting is my greatest challenge that I do not take lightly. And even when I have felt or continue to feel like I've, quote, gotten it wrong, I try to keep my heart in the right place and focus on the positives and know that um, I have my child's best intention at heart. And if I have people in the workplace who support that, it just makes that process all the much sweeter. To add on to the great advice that Shayla and Kimberly provided, it's okay to also ask for help. Ask for help from your employer. Ask for help from your coworkers. Ask for help from your village. It does take the village to do this in and outside of the workplace, and there is no shame in trying to tap into that to get the assistance that you the assistance that you need at any point in time. With all that, we have unfortunately reached the end of our discussion. I wish that we had endless time to really dive into this and unpack so much more of what it means to be a working parent. But I do hope that we have left you with some invaluable insight into how you can navigate these types of conversations within your own work experience. And we appreciate you, Shayla, for taking time out of your day to come and talk with us and provide such valuable insight into what it looks like to be a working parent in today's age. 
Thank you for listening to Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson DNI podcast. We hope that this conversation has made you feel more seen, valued, and empowered to become in touch, in tune, and inclusive in your day-to-day interactions. Remember that inclusion starts with I. Until next time, please like, comment, and share this episode.